The following message is from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about Life Source is available at lifesource.org.au. Okay, if you have your Bibles, we'll get spiritual. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. I want to start with um, what we began at the beginning of the year. We are, we are calling 2017, not the year of the rooster, but the year of the open door. And I, I'm really believing that God's going to open doors for people in our church. I believe that God's already started opening doors, but he's going to continue opening doors. And some of you have been camped at shut doors for too long, and it's time for new doors to be opened for you. I'm going to be talking a little bit about this today, but um, I want to read this scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, that talks about the open door. And, and this scripture actually calls the open door a way of escape, a way of exit, a way through. And this is what it says in verse 13. It says, no temptation. Maybe another translation says no trial. No temptation, no trial has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Everybody say, but God is faithful. How many of you love the buts in the Bible? But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted, who will not allow you to be tried beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, but with the trial, will also make, here it is, the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. I like that word, the way of escape. And when you do a word study of that word in the Bible, it literally uses the word egress. It's the exit. It's the way through. It's the way out. How many of you, when you're, when you're lost in a building or you're lost, you're looking for the exit. You're looking for the way out, the way through this. And the Bible says that in every situation, God's got an egress. God's got a way through. God's got a way out. How many of you think that's great news? Because sometimes we get stuck in places and just keep going around in circles and we don't see the way through, the way out, the exit. And in every situation, in every trial, in every situation, God's got the way through it. Even when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, as it says in Psalm 23, you'll fear no evil because God is with you and he will lead you through it. He will lead you through the exit. And, um, and you know, there's just something about God. That he's the way maker. He's the one that makes a way through it all. And I, I don't know how many times in life I have been confronted with a situation that's bigger than me. Anybody else been confronted with a situation that's bigger than you? And, and you, you look at that situation and you think, I, I don't have an answer. I don't have a way through. And over the years as a pastor, I, I've had so many of those situations. I'll, I'll never forget the day that as a church, we actually got evicted out of our building. As a church, we, we were pastoring in Campbelltown at that time, and um, it was a Tuesday morning, and uh, we knew that we had to leave this building. The owners had given us notice, and they were um, building a restaurant 
in, in where we were doing church. And so we'd organized that we were going to move within the due date, which was still a month away. And, um, and if we could move earlier, then we would sort of um, decrease the rent based on how quickly we could move. And so we said, look, for the last month, rather than paying the month in advance, we'll pay um, whatever we've used of the month when we leave. And, uh, and so what happened is that that month we didn't pay in advance, we put in abeyance, but the owner, being a really nasty lady, decided, oh, they've not paid the rent. And so we're just going to kick them out. And, and so Tuesday morning, there's the pastor's prayer meeting at 6.30, and in the middle of the prayer meeting, we hear the doors opening and people coming in and they start moving our stuff onto the street. And, and we come out of the prayer meeting and say, what in the world's going on? Oh, you haven't paid your rent. We're evicting you. And it's, no, we made an arrangement. We were going to pay the rent. A base, but anyway, the fact was that uh, we were being evicted. How many of you know that it's quite a big deal when a family, you as a family get evicted, but it's an even bigger deal when the whole church gets evicted. Hundreds of people get evicted. And so, uh, and, and so it was like, God, uh, and, and what made it worse was that I wasn't even at home at the time. I was preaching in northern New South Wales, and I'm getting the phone calls from my pastors saying, we've just been evicted, and uh, what do we do? And it was like, God, what are you going to do here? And, and uh, it was, how many of you know that it's very real to panic in a situation like that? But, um, and so, uh, so you know what happened? God opened the door, and uh, we actually got a building that they had said no to us before. We'd actually went and applied to get this building in Lumia. They said, no, you can't have it. But when they heard our plight, they changed their mind. And they said, you know what, you can have it. And so we're able to move into this new building, which was bigger. It was more convenient. It had more parking. It was just perfect. God made a way in the middle of it. And uh, we give him all the glory. Did I ever tell you the other story of when they wanted to build a warehouse right in front of our entrance doors downstairs? Did you know that? A few years ago, we get a letter and uh, they uh, and it was council application. They were going to build a warehouse right on top of the car park outside of our, out of our doors so that when you'd come up the driveway to enter the doors of our building, you'd come into a huge big warehouse that they were going to build on the car park. How many of you know that's quite devastating when you bought the building, you don't own the car park, someone else owns the car park, and they decide they're going to build a warehouse on the car park. And, uh, and, and it was like, God, you, you're going to have to stop this. And so we tried to go through council, we tried to go through legal avenues, there was nothing we can do. And so then the owners came and said, listen, we don't want to come into an argument with the church we're only here to make money. We're more than happy to sell you the car park if you don't want a warehouse on it. We said, okay, we'll buy the car park. And so God made a way for us to buy the car park. How many of you know it's a good thing to have a car park in front of your front door instead of a warehouse? But I can remember at the time thinking, oh, we don't have the money for the car park and they're going to build a warehouse. And, and, and it's very easy to panic in times like that. But God makes a way. And this is where we've just got to work it out that God is the way maker 
and, uh, and, 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 and I think of all the scriptures in the Bible where God makes a way, uh, and I want to just open it up for you this morning. It's Exodus chapter 14, where God makes a way, and the way that he made was through the Red Sea. So let's, let's have a, a read of Exodus chapter 14. And I've called this message, Keep Calm, the Lord will fight for you. Keep calm, the Lord will fight for you. Not only will he fight for you, but the God will make a way for you. So let's read this passage. And, um, and I want to give you the background because the background to this passage is that God was leading the children of Israel out of Egypt to the promised land. So they'd been in captivity as slaves in Egypt for 400 years. And uh, this whole passage, this whole story speaks very prophetically. And, and uh, there's, there's so much insight. And so when, it, when, when we have, you know, thinking about Pharaoh and Egypt, we're thinking about Satan and the world. So Satan is the leader of the world, and in the world there's captivity. The captivity is sin. And so it's a picture of, of God's people being in bondage under Satan in the world, slaves to sin and doing it tough. Then God raises up a deliverer. His name is Moses. And Moses was listening to God, led the people out, and God made a way through. And so led them out of Egypt. And so they were being led by God, being led by God. They were following the cloud and the fire. And then all of a sudden, they get stuck in a dead-end street. How many of you have ever been stuck in a dead-end street? And so led by God, and they come to a dead-end street. Let, let's read this passage from verse 10. It says, And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. So the story goes like this, that Pharaoh, you know the story very well. Pharaoh said, yeah, okay, we've had enough, we'll let you go. So he let them go, and then he changed his mind and thought, oh no, we've gotten rid of all of our slave labor. We're going to have to make the bricks. We're going to have to work harder as Egyptians. we better go back and get our slaves. And so the Egyptian army is just chasing them back to try to get them. And so verse 11, then they said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we would die in the wilderness? How many of you know that people can be very fickle? One day they're for you, the next day they're against you. One day they're saying, Yes, let's go for God. The next day they're saying, It was easier in Egypt. So Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see, you shall, uh, see again no more forever. Here it is. The Lord will fight for you. Now hold your peace. One of the translations says, Keep calm because the Lord will fight for you. I love that. Keep your peace means keep calm. How many of you need to hear that word today? Keep calm, for the Lord will fight for you. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Why are you complaining to me? Why are you whinging to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. What a ridiculous thing. 
go forward. Where are we going? There's a sea in front of us. We've got the armies of Egypt behind us. We're stuck in a dead-end street. And God's saying, go forward. Then he says to Moses, but lift up your rod, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel should go on dry land through the midst of the sea. Now, we have a huge advantage in this story. And the huge advantage that we have is that we know how the story starts and we know how the story finishes. And so it's easy for us here in church in 2017 to stay calm. Huh? And it's easy for us to say to those people, stay calm. But how many of you know that when you're in the midst of your story, you don't know how it's going to finish? And so it's a lot harder for you to stay calm. But you know what I want to say to you? I know how your story is going to finish. And if you follow God, it's going to finish well. And so I've got a word for you. Stay calm. I know how your story finishes. Matter of fact, I've got an advantage. I've actually read the back of the book. Huh? I've read the last chapter of the book. I know how the story finishes. And can I let you in? I know that this, this is a spoiler. So here it is, spoiler alert. If you don't want to hear, just put your fingers in your ear. But I'm going to tell you how your story finishes. Are you ready for it? If you want to put your fingers in your ear, it's okay, because it is a spoiler alert. But here it is. You get to win. That's the end of the story. Is that a good storyline or what? You get to win. But at the moment, it might not seem that way. At the moment, it might seem like the Egyptians are behind you, the Red Sea's in front of you, and what is God going to do? Well, here's a great word for you. Keep calm, because the Lord's going to fight for you. That's the word that was found there in verse 14. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. That word, hold your peace, literally means keep calm. Some of the translations actually use those two words, keep calm. How many of you see the banners all over the place? Keep calm. Well, you need to write a new banner for yourself. Keep calm because the Lord will fight for you. That's 14.14. Exodus 14.14. Keep calm because the Lord's going to fight for you. You need to turn to the person next to you and say to them, keep calm because the Lord's going to fight for you. So let me give you a couple of clues on how to keep calm, okay? Number one, you've got to stop complaining. You've just got to stop complaining because that's, that's their first default. First default was to start complaining. And, you know, I mean, they're complaining. They're saying, why did you take us out of Egypt? Imagine that. They're praying, oh, God, deliver us from Egypt. God, we've been here 400 years. You promised that you deliver us. He delivered them. And then why did you deliver us? We had leeks and onions and garlic. Come on. How many of you, let, let me try it. Lunchtime today, serve your kids leeks, garlic, and onions and see how you go. Huh? See how you go. So you imagine that. That's, that was their diet, leeks, garlics, and onions. And every now and then they might have got some melons. And, and it was just, and, and, and they, were, they were craving for the minimal stuff because that's the nature of man is complaining. Complaining happens when we focus on the wrong things. And it's the nature of man to focus on the wrong things. We, we can focus on what we don't have rather than what we do have. And it's so important that as parents we teach our kids to be grateful for what they do have rather than to focus on what they don't have. 
It's so important that we start every day in gratitude. Just, just the whole focus, the whole focus, because the materialism of this world brainwashes people into focusing on what they don't have. Every commercial that's on television, that's on radio, that's on the billboards, that's in magazines, is designed to give you a craving for something that you don't have and to make you believe that if you have this thing, then you'll be happy. And all it does, it makes you dissatisfied with what you do have. And, and if you're dissatisfied with what you do have, then you'll start complaining. But all, all the materialistic ads have done is they're making somebody rich by, by pressing these buttons of dissatisfaction. It's a spirit that we have to overcome. And you overcome the spirit of dissatisfaction with a spirit of gratitude. Just the spirit of gratitude. Just a wonderful thing. I once heard someone said that said, said, I was complaining to God about my shoes until I looked across and saw someone with no feet. That changes everything, doesn't it? And sometimes we just need to be grateful for what we do have rather than what we don't have. And that's why, you know, Mark, people like Mark Tonga are my heroes. Why is that? Because Mark is severely disabled, severely disabled, and, uh, and, but he's grateful for his life. And, and because he's grateful for his life and he's grateful for the brain that God's given him and he's grateful for the concepts and, and insights, his, his purpose in life is to make life better for other disabled people. And so one of his purposes in life is, is, I know what it's like to be disabled and I know what it's like to not be able to go places and do things because nobody's thought about, can we get wheelchair access here? Can, can people that are disabled get access here? So I want to make life better for others. You know, that's, that, that's just an awesome, that, that's hero, legend for me. I love people like that. And they could be sitting at home um, with, with the, a, a very different narrative. And there are so many people sitting at home and their narrative is, I'm feeling sorry for myself. I'm feeling depressed about my life. And, and they're focusing in on all the bad things that have ever happened to them and all the, the, the rotten things that have happened. And that's their focus. Then you've got people like Mark saying, you know what? I can't change any of that, but I can change the future. And the only way that I can change the future is just to step out of my insecurities, step out of the, my weakness and move into what I can do. Because there's a lot that you can do if you change your narrative. And the narrative is the story that you tell yourself. And I just think that Paul tried to give us a new narrative. And the new narrative that Paul tried to give us is, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Come on, let's say it together. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What a narrative that is. That's a great narrative that you need to wake up every morning. I can't do this and I can't do that and I'm too big and I'm too fat and I'm too ugly and I'm too old and I'm too young and I'm too this and I'm too that. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. What's your narrative when you wake up? Because the narrative that the children of Israel had was just a negative, bad narrative that caused them to complain rather than to see what God had for them. let, Let me move on and say, keep calm because there's an open door. Keep calm, stop complaining. Keep calm because there's an open door. And so what happens is this, is that we've got to be able to see the open door. 
Revelation chapter 3, verse 8 says this, See, I have set before you an open door. Now, the reason it says, see, I've set before you an open door is because you need to open your spiritual eyes to see the door that God opens for us. Because we do life in the natural realm rather than the spiritual realm. And the natural realm looks at the maths. It looks at the science. It looks at the facts. And the facts will always give you a conclusion. And, and that's what was scary about this. So, so let's, let's analyze the normality for the children of Israel. Okay, and here's it, here it is. Okay, we're stuck on a peninsula. We're surrounded by sea, the sea over there. And now the armies of Egypt are coming. Okay, there is nowhere for us to go. We've done the maths on this. We're stuck. It's all over. But God says, no, you need to move forward. Well, how can we move forward? We can't see how to move forward. Well, because you're looking with the natural eyes rather than the spiritual eyes. When you begin to look with the spiritual eyes, there's always a solution. There's a God way. Everybody say God way. There's a God way. There's a God way in your situation. See, at the moment, you can analyze it with all the natural eyes and say, there's no way. And if you looked at, and you said, there's no way, I've got a word for you, there's a God way. Stop saying no way when there's a God way. But your no way is because you're looking at it with the natural eyes. God says, open your spiritual eyes and begin to see there's a God way. There's a God way. See, some of you are facing some of the biggest trials of your life right now. Some of you have received letters. Some of you have received demands. Some of you have received phone calls. Some of you have received solicitor's letters. Some of you have just, have just been bombarded with facts that are devastating, and you're saying, no way, no way, no way. Well, you are here today, and God's given me a word. Stop saying no way and start saying God's way. God's way, because God's got a way. Now, here, here it is. What They had no idea that God was going to open up the sea. Come on, let's, let's, let's be honest here. We know the story, so we know that God opens up the sea. But imagine if you had no concept of that. It had never been done before. You'd never heard of it before. Would you be saying that that's a solution? You'd be getting your calculator out and saying, well, the probability of my surviving another day is very minimal. And so you're trying to get all your computer stuff down, whereas God had already that in mind. And can I just give you a few clues of what the God way is? The God way is this, is that he opens the door at the very moment it needs to be opened. And if there's one thing that I find frustrating about God is that his timing is last minute lastminute.com, that's where you'll find God. Huh? It's always last minute. It is just unbelievable. Wouldn't it be nice? Here's the children of Israel. There's the armies behind them. They're marching along. They actually get to the peninsula. And as they get there, the sea opens up. They don't even miss a step. Bang, all the way through. No, that's not the way that God did it. They get stuck there. They get to sweat. They get to bite their fingernails. I can't see this. It's okay. I've got this in control. 
I've got this in order. I can't see it, God. Yeah, you don't need to see it yet. Why? Because you're not to the 11th hour, the 59th minute, and the 59th second. How many of you have been there? The 11th hour. You know, it, you know people use the phrase 11th hour. I've not found 11th hour. I've found 11th hour, 59th minute, and 59th second. It's like, it's doomsday. Bang, the door opens. Woohoo! Just missed that by the skin of my teeth. That's the way that God operates. He opened the door at exactly the right timing. See, the timing with God is everything. A God way is the timing is perfect. The timing is perfect. The other thing about a God way is that you actually get to see the fingerprint of God. Everybody said the fingerprint of God. God's fingerprint is unique. Nobody can duplicate God's fingerprint. And this is what I've noticed, is that when God opens the door, it's like nobody could open this door except for God. There's the fingerprint of God. Can, can I just say this? Here it is. This is really important. That before the God door opens, inadvertently, a wrong door opens. Inadvertently. And so, so Abraham fell for the trap. He's Abraham, the father of faith, but he felt... He fell for the wrong door. And so the right door was, who can tell me what the right door was for, for Abraham? The son of promise, who was what? Isaac. But what happened is that another door opened up before the right timing, and that open door for him was Ishmael. How many of you remember that? But it was, it was well, that one's not opening, but all of a sudden this one opens. Can I just tell you? that with the fingerprint of God, it is always integrous. There's no scheming. There's no, here, here's another Australian slang, Aaron, nothing shonky. Everybody say shonky. That's, that's a great Australian slang, shonky. Huh? Uh, nothing dodgy. Now there's another good Australian word, shonky, dodgy. Uh, how many of you have ever done business with the Dodgy Brothers. There's another great Australian slang, Dodgy Brothers, yeah. So, so shonky, dodgy is not the way that God works. He works with integrity. There's integrity. There's biblical truth, not lies, not deceptions, not half-truths, not, you know, trying to make it work. You know, how many of you do jigsaw puzzles? My wife loves jigsaw puzzles. Okay, but if you do jigsaw puzzles, what you can never do is force a piece. Now, some of you have done it, I know. You forced it in and you think, yay, it works. Uh uh. It works for a little time, but then the whole thing falls over because it's not the right piece. The right piece, you don't have to force it, the right piece just click, it fits in. That's the way God works. God works his timing. He works with his fingerprint. It's all the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle come together. And sometimes we just got to wait. We've just got to wait. We've just got to wait for God. We've just got to stop and be patient and wait. Everybody say, wait. He that waits upon the Lord. How many of you know that that's part of the deal with God? How many of you love that part of God? Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, it's just one of the things. 
So, so, so we need to open our spiritual eyes and see the God way. And then what we need to do is use our spiritual legs and walk the God way. So open your spiritual eyes and then use your spiritual legs. How many of you know that this thing in God is not in the natural, it's in the spiritual? We're talking spiritual things here. We've got to go from the natural to the spiritual. And this is what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. We walk by faith, not by sight. In other words, we walk in the spiritual, not in the natural. We've got to do life in a spiritual realm, not just the natural realm. And for so many people, that is so hard. Why? Because we want to be self-dependent, and God wants us to be God-dependent. And, and, and so we keep trying to do things in our own strength. And God says, no, you need to do it by faith. You need to do it with me. You need to take advantage of what I'm doing in your life. Can I just say to you that uh, God does not answer all your prayers? And there's a reason for that. Can, can, you know, I, I know that some of you are feeling discouraged by me saying that. God's not going to answer all your prayers. Because some of you are saying, I came to church today to get a word that God's going to answer all my prayers. Well, God does answer, but not the way you want him to answer. See, what we've got to understand is God's number one goal in our lives. And God's number one goal in our life is not to answer all of our self-centered prayers. God's number one goal in our life, are you ready for this? What God's number one? And some of you say, oh yeah, I know what it is. It's for me to fulfill my divine purpose. Well, no, I don't even think that's God's number one goal for your life. So, so what is God's number one goal for my life? Are you ready for this? Let me tell it to you. Here it is, to make you like Jesus. The Bible says that before the formation of the earth, that God predestined us to be like Jesus, to be conformed into the image of the Son, to be like Jesus. So he's, Jesus is the prototype of a new creation. He's the prototype. He's the model. And, and he set us up and said, that's what you need to be like. And how many of you can lift up your hand and say, that's me, I've made it, I'm just like Jesus? How many of you can say that? You can't? Well, some of the things that you're going through right now is God changing you to make you like Jesus. And the only way he can do that is to expose you to dead-end streets like they exposed the children of Israel where, where you know, it's like this is, this is over. No, but you need to trust me because Jesus trusted the Father. Lord, if there's any other way but if not, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. That's, that's Jesus prayed that prayer. Hello? Jesus prayed that prayer. I, I've got a will, but you've got a will, and, and I'm willing to lay down my will for your will. That's Jesus in his humanity prayed that prayer. That's, that's, that's pretty confronting to me. And so there, there are times when God says, no, John, I don't want to do that because that's not going to help in making you more Christ-like. Because I'm, I'm wanting to put a little bit more love in your life. I want to put a little bit more joy in your life. I want you to put a bit more peace in your life. Oh, John, this one. I need to put a lot more patience in your life. How many of you can identify with that? A patience, patience. God, I want it now. I want it immediately. 
John, I, I'm wanting to put a bit more kindness in your life. John, I'm wanting to put a bit more gentleness in your life. Ah, oh, I'm a bloke. Blokes aren't gentle. Well, I'm going to turn things around so that you do become more gentle. How many have ever been to hospital? You know, we, we've got people right now that are, that are exposed to horrid things and they're in hospital. And If you've never been to hospital, you've never been, you know, sitting in hospital, then you've got no idea of how to deal with people that are confronting big things. And how many of you know that every time you confront a big thing, it just softens you, makes you a lot more compassionate, makes you a lot kinder, a lot more loving. And if you want to destroy your kids, you want to wreck your kids, every time they ask for something, give it to them immediately and you will destroy your kids. But if you want your kids to grow up to be decent, law-abiding citizens, then just be patient and help them understand, hey, you know what? You can have this if you work for it. That's going to take you maybe three years of work to get that. But Dad, you can give it to me. Yeah, I can, but I'd rather you work for it. Hello? You know, there, and, and all of a sudden what happens is that you mature them really, really fast rather than spoiling them really, really fast. And that's the way that God works with us. And I find that this is a really hard message for so many people to come to grips with because they want God to be the sugar daddy in the sky. You know, they just want it now and they want it immediately. They want it, God, you know, I love the prosperity message. Yeah, you're going to prosper me. You're going to make me healthy, wealthy, and wise now. Well, let me tell you, God does want to make you healthy, wealthy, and wise, but not necessarily now. Not necessarily immediately. God does want to supply uh, all of your needs according to his riches and glory, but not necessarily every time you ask. Sometimes there's a waiting period. And in that waiting period, something is learned. We learn to walk by faith, not by sight. We start to be big people. We start to be stretched. Anne and I have been praying for stuff for years, decades, and and, and still hasn't happened. But you know what? That's a test of us. Are we still going to be persistent or are we going to give up? You know, how many times am I tempted just to give up? I'm not going to pray for that anymore because God hasn't answered. And my attitude is no, faith says I'm going to keep praying until it comes through. But how long have you been praying? Decades? What? Hey, my mother phoned me up one day and told me that this lady that she'd been praying for eventually got saved. And I said to my mum, how long were you praying for? And she said, 40 years. Wow. That said to me a couple of things. You know, 40 years this lady persisted in running away from God. But you know what I love the most? That for 40 years my mum persisted in praying for the lady who 40 years ran away from God. And eventually she stopped, got caught up, got saved. And, and, and you know, there's this, there's this thing that God says, you know, I'm testing you, I'm developing you, I'm doing something in you. And right now some of you are facing stuff and you're camped at the wrong door and you're banging this door down that is shut. And God is saying to you, stop banging at that door that's shut and start seeing where the right door is. Because there's a right door. You're making demands on God at that door that are not going to be accomplished and you're missing out on an open door that will be accomplished. So go through the open door and then we'll see what happens in the future. Come on, there's an open door in front of you right now. You need to see it and be blessed by it and go through that open door and let God take control of everything. Let me finish this morning 
by moving you to the next chapter. And uh, the next chapter is the Song of Moses. And the story ends like this. They weren't destroyed by the Egyptians. God opened up the Red Sea. They walked on dry land. And then when the Egyptian army tried to follow, God closed the sea on them. They drowned. They never saw the Egyptians ever again. They got to the other side. And that's where I call Exodus 15 the happy dance chapter. How many of you love the happy dance chapter? How many of you do happy dances at home? Huh? Do you do happy dances at home? Here's a word for you. Some of you need to do happy dances. Okay? Get your family together and do a happy dance. Is that okay? Just get them all together and say, you know what? God answered this prayer. We're going to do a happy dance. I don't know what your happy dance is. Christelle, you're going to do a happy dance with Dad? Never, she says. It's bad enough doing the wedding waltz, she says. But uh, a happy dance. A happy dance. What a wonderful thing it is. And a happy dance is all about gratitude. It's all about saying, God, you came through. God, you came through. And that's exactly what's going to happen this year. Come on, I'm prophesying over you. You're going to do happy dances this year. God's going to come through. God's going to open doors for you. God's going to break through for you. God's going to change things around. Those Egyptians that were chasing you down, they are going down. And you'll never see them again. And you'll be on the other side. This is the promised land side. This is the promises of God's side. This is the freedom from bondage side. This is where God supplies according to his riches and glory. This is manna in the morning land. This is where there's the cloud by day, the fire by night. This is where the provision of God, this is where the promises of God come true. It's called the promised land. That is where God is leading you for his glory. And everybody said. Thanks for listening to this message from Life Source Christian Church MP3 Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at lifesource.org.au to find out more about our church and to also access other free resources.